Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle and I am One Organized Mama. Now, this episode is the third part of a three-part series that I've done for professional organizers. And yeah, I know it's taken me kind of a minute to get it all together. This is based on a 10-module system that I created years ago And part of the reason it's kind of taken me a minute to get this together is because I want to just give you everything. I have to sort of edit and edit and edit myself because I can talk, if you've noticed, incessantly, and I can go on and on and on about some of this stuff. So I have to constantly sort of reel it in, edit it, not pour out everything because nobody wants to hear me talk for ever and but also be able to give you enough information that's empowering you to go out there and to greet your clients and to present yourself as the pro that you are. Now, these are all common spaces that you're going to encounter in your career as a professional organizer. In this episode, we're going to cover bedrooms and bathrooms, home offices and paperwork, Uh, moving and unpacking, and my favorite, teaching your clients how to maintain their space once you've made it neat and tidy for them. We want to empower them too. We want to give them the tools that are easy to follow so that they can maintain the space. It doesn't mean they're going to take your job away. I promise you, if you do a really great job for them, they will have you back. Most of my clients, I would say probably above... 85% of our clients are repeat business. So whether it was like a large project or it was just something that they had us come back like every six months or once a year for. In fact, I still have a lot of clients that reach out to me, even though I haven't been organizing homes for quite some time. So let's start and just go ahead and jump right in. Let's start with bedrooms and bathrooms. Bedrooms first. Okay. When it comes to a bedroom, I mean, I know you can probably say, hey, I can organize a bedroom and a bathroom. But if you have a client and you're doing an assessment or you're there and you're kind of like in that awkward thing with your client, like, so what do you want to, what do you want to do here? And this is why we kind of ask this because think about like a typical master bedroom. And I have definitely encountered this as a professional organizer, definitely guilty of it as a mom and a wife. But when I look at our master bedroom, a lot of times I see a lot of different stuff. Sometimes there's exercise equipment. Sometimes there's home office supplies. Sometimes it's used for additional storage, um, workspace, family space. I mean, there's a lot of different things like hobbies, the stuff that we put in our bedrooms, especially that main bedroom in the house, the biggest room in the house or the biggest bedroom in the house. And so when you are working with a client, you want to sort of assess the space and ask them in a very polite, non-awkward kind of way, what are your goals? Like, what are your bedroom goals? I know that can come off a little tacky and a little like awkward. But basically, you can just sort of, again, take an assessment, take a look around, say, hey, I noticed that you have a treadmill in here, 
or you have a desk, there's a lot of paperwork on the nightstands. In addition to rest and relaxation, what are some other things that you do in this space? Do you pay bills? Do you like to exercise? Do you do uh, crafts or hobbies or different things like that? So again, you really want to kind of assess what the goals are for the bedroom. That will definitely, definitely make your time organizing the space um, much better if you know what their goals are. So for instance, if they say, oh no, I definitely don't want to work, um, to work out in this space, but you see a ginormous treadmill right in front of you that has like clothes hanging off of it and folded towels on there. Then you might want to kind of say, well, okay, but you have a treadmill in here. So let's talk about that. So one of the techniques that I would encourage my clients to do is the use by technique. Because a lot of times they'll say like, oh, that was from our last house when we had more space. In this house, we don't have space for a big treadmill. So you can kind of tell if they're using it or not. And so the use by technique is you can just put a post-it note or a sticky note or a piece of tape with a use by date. So sort of ask them, you know what, hey, let's let's see if you're going to actually use this. I'm going to clear it off for you. Let's see if you're going to get some use out of this. Let's make a reasonable deadline. So for instance, maybe in that case, it's 30 to 60 days from when you put the little sticky note on there. If they use the treadmill, they can take off the sticky note and then you know that they can keep it because they're going to use it. Now, if they haven't used it and it starts becoming a place to hold clothing and things start getting piled up again, it might be time to signal that it's time to get rid of it or find some other options for that big piece of equipment that's taking up a lot of valuable space in the bedroom. So that's kind of what I mean about sort of empowering your clients, getting them involved and helping them determine what the goals are for their space. Now let's talk about bathrooms. Okay, when it comes to bathrooms, what I really want you to think about as a professional organizer is zoning. So if you're not familiar with my four steps, they are step number one, declutter and sort. Step number two, create a zone. Step number three, label and contain. And step number four, teach and maintain. So step number two, create a zone. Bathrooms are like kitchens. They really can benefit from having zones. So again, sort of assess what the different activities that are happening in this bedroom, or excuse me, in this bathroom are. Obviously, they may be getting ready for the day, getting ready for bed. Obviously, we're in there for hygiene reasons a lot of times, but also like kids' bathrooms. Um, a lot of times, depending on the ages of the kids, maybe the parents are in a stage where they really want to teach more independence to their children. So therefore, you want to make things more accessible and easy for the kids to reach. Maybe make sure that they have a step stool in there, that the toothpaste and toothbrush and the grooming supplies are an easy reach Maybe divide it by the kids, the you know, so that they're easy to access and all of that. So again, what are the goals for the space when it comes to the bathroom? Another little tidbit about bathrooms is this. Also think about the other bathrooms in the house, like a guest bathroom. 
So we have one bathroom downstairs that's primarily for guests. And I like to make it almost um, uh, where people, if they just, they can go in there and they don't have to ask me for anything. So for instance, I always make sure I keep plenty of toilet paper. I always make sure I keep like a plunger nearby and also like feminine hygiene products, hand soap, sanitizer, whatever. It's all kind of organized in there. And that way, it just kind of makes your guests feel welcome and, again, sort of avoid some awkward situations. So that's a tip that definitely when organizing a guest bathroom for a client, you might just want to keep in consideration. Okay, <laughs> here is another tip when it comes for bathrooms. I actually added this in last minute. Remember 2020? I mean, how could we forget? What did we all do in 2020? We caught ourselves, not because we had to, but out of pure fear of hoarding bathroom supplies, including and especially toilet paper. I hate overbuying. I'm kind of like a one in, one out kind of person. Like, I just know generally, like, hey, this is sort of what we need. We're running low. So, if I have finished the last one, I have one bottle that comes in and I know it triggers me to go buy another one. So I really hated 2020 because I went to go organize my cleaning supplies under the cabinet in my laundry room and I had so many bottles of disinfectant spray that I literally, I mean, an enormous amount. I think there were like 13 bottles. And so, I mean, it almost feels, I almost feel a little ashamed, (laughs) but... As we all know, it was out of necessity. Like we went through a period, like if we saw it and it was like the little notification, like limit two, limit two or limit one, we were buying it whether we needed it or not. And then we were hoarding it in our homes. And so generally speaking, now that I pray things are getting under control with the pandemic, I hope, and I haven't seen those quantity limited signs of supplies in the past few months. So I'm really, really praying that it stays that way. But generally speaking, if it's any other time of of a lifetime, we generally want to sort of set up a system that prevents our clients from overbuying. And again, that's sort of the one in, one out. Or I should say, how is that working? So you you're using one, you have one to replace And that triggers so that you know to buy another one. A lot of times space is limited in bathrooms. So again, I've definitely been in that where I went to Ulta or Sephora, bought a lot of makeup or beauty supplies. And then I just had so much, I just kind of shoved them in a drawer. And this stuff is expensive. And if it's not super organized and you don't have a system, you'll eventually forget that it's there. And then you're out trying to buy and find a new one, spending a lot of, you know, additional money that you don't need to do. So try to create a system to prevent overbuying and hope and pray we never have a year like 2020 ever again. All right, let's move on to the next. The next section is all about home offices and paperwork. And on this one, I'm really going to focus mostly on the paperwork, but let's start with the home offices with helping your clients. So 
What is a home office? And I will say this, most, if not every home needs some type of a home office. Now, this does not mean that it actually has to be a room. It can just be a space. And that space can even be a small bin. So basically with a home office, what I'm talking about is just sort of all of that stuff that you need, maybe stamps, pens, envelopes, um, maybe a system to pay bills or collect paperwork. So just an area that you can sort of collect things and you know where it's at. So if you're walking into a client's home and they don't have a home office, you might want to go ahead and create something for them, even if it's a kitchen drawer where they can go and it's really neat and they have notepads and pens, stamps, and it's a place for them to sort of collect um, different things like that and they know where to always go to find those items. Now, let's talk about home offices a little further when they do have the entire room dedicated to an office. And I actually do in our home, but our the home office in our home is really an office. Like my kids are really not allowed in there. And in fact, this is what actually happened today. My husband <laughs> had to go in there and use my computer and irritated the life out of me because he restarted it twice. And I have a lot of stuff saved on my computer for business and it just super annoyed me. I'm like, you shouldn't start restart my computer without asking me, but he was trying to download or upload something or I don't know what he was trying to do. So generally speaking, the reason I actually have a designated space is because I actually work from home. So I actually have a place that's very separate from personal stuff. And in fact, I generally don't bring in personal stuff with one small exception into my home office. I do have a printer in there and the family is allowed to use the printer. So they all log into it from their um, devices. And that's really the only thing that they're allowed to go in there for. I am really serious about this. I cannot tell you that I've had to learn this the hard way and how many times I've had an important piece of paper or document where someone jotted down a note or scribbled something in crayon or spelt something. So I've learned over the years that because I work from home, it's really important for me to have a designated space. So again, working with clients, you really want to assess what their needs are. And a lot of times, what I did encounter when I had people that didn't work from home, but they had an entire room dedicated to a home office, and it was kind of almost a a, a, a waste of space. And so they had big, beautiful furniture in there, or they just had a lot of stuff. And like the uh, bedrooms, it all, often became a source of storage. So you may want to help them define their goals for that space, for that area, and determine, do they really need a home office? Do they really need to dedicate an entire room to a home office? So again, it is your job as a professional organizer to help your clients determine what their goals are for a space. Now let's talk about paperwork for a second. I do have a few episodes on paperwork specifically. But let's talk about paperwork because I really believe professional organizers out there really overcomplicate, not just professional organizers, but 
our clients too, a lot of times really overcomplicate paperwork systems. And again, it is your job as a professional organizer to set up a system for your client to maintain. That's my humble opinion. So paperwork should fall into two categories, active and archive. So when you are organizing for a client and it happens, and a lot of times people say, you can't organize paperwork for another person. Yeah, you can. If you ask them some questions, if you have an understanding, and also you do have to have some participation from them, of course. So, and that's especially when it comes to the decluttering part. That's definitely where you want your client to be very involved on what stays and what goes. But from that keep pile, from the the stuff that stays, if you're really a part of the decluttering process and you're observing your client, keeping them sort of moving along by putting stuff in trash, recycle, shred, and keep piles, you can sort of observe what is important to them. What do they have in their paperwork? So again, from the key pile, you then want to take the paperwork and teach your client. It's either something that can be filed away, that's archive, or it's something that they need to do something with that is active. Now, creating systems for your client, these are the two tools that I've used for every client. And again, something that I've used for myself. And it's worked beautifully for years and years and years. For the active, a simple binder. Get like a one and a half to two inch binder, three ring binder, throw some page protectors in it so you can slide paperwork in, put some dividers, make it really cute. And that is their active binder. You can create a color-coded filing system that have very general labels. So for instance, you're not going to put 2021 Honda Pilot on a label. You just write auto. Because when they change vehicles, it's unlikely that they're going to actually go in and change all of the labels in their filing system. So just keep the labels very, very general. You want the filing system to be sort of like a drop and go or grab and go. So you don't want them to have to think about it for a long time. So keep it color coded, red, drop the the hanging file folders are great for anything that's emergent or urgent or legal or medical if you want to make them. Green is always for money. Uh, Blue I use for home and auto. And yellow, I use for sort of like activities. So these are like the school files or membership files. Like when you go sign up for something and they give you a carbon copy of the paperwork, you can drop it back into one of those files. So let's talk about the binder real quick. The binder is that thing that I told you a minute ago when it comes to my home office. It is one of the only few personal items that I actually allow in my workspace. So I have sort of a routine. I'm the one that does the bills, that pays the bills in our home. And so I keep everything in a binder. So when I open the mail, the bills go inside my binder. And I I am super old school. I actually write down my bills every single month. I just like it that way. It's so satisfying when you get towards the end of the month and you're like, oh, wow, everything's paid. It 
it is just so satisfying to me. So I actually have a little notebook in there where every month, at the beginning of the month, I write down all the bills as they come in through emails or through the mail. I write down the amounts and the due dates. And then I go and make sure that they're paid. And like I said, I like to put like a little check mark when everything's paid. And that is one of the things that I like to keep in my binder. So a little tip. <clears throat> now, the binder is a great place just to keep, again, all of those things like those invitations, so maybe like graduation announcements or birthday party invitations. I know a lot of stuff is digital, but let's be honest, even in the digital age, we still get a lot of paperwork. So if you have children that are in school, you're still going to get the paperwork that you need to sign, the field trip permission slips. If you go to the doctor, you're going to have that blood work paperwork that you have to take in. If you work from home, sometimes that there's things that come in that you just have to hang on to, insurance paperwork, or even those little notes and stuff that like you need to call this person. So again, as a professional organizer, feel free to get as creative as you can with your client's binder and filing system to keep them organized. All right, moving right along. The next section is focused on moving and unpacking. You will get these calls a lot. This is something that I did a lot of. This is something that really introduced me to real estate and where I went hmm, one day when I was working for all these realtors and relocation companies. And I was like, I really like real estate. And so it just sort of helped me get into um, a place where I was like, maybe this is something that I can do. And it's actually now that I've been in real estate for about two years, I love the fact that I can utilize so many of these tools that I've used helping so many clients move throughout the years. So I have a lot of different tools that I give my clients, my real estate clients, when they buy or sell a house <clears throat> with me. So as a professional organizer, you're going to get these calls that someone's moving. Maybe they've just moved into a new home or they're getting ready to put their house in the market or move with a job change. So you want to ask some key questions in that initial phone call because moving <laughs> is a big umbrella that could mean a lot of different things. So you want to kind of ask, obviously, what type of move? Is it a local move or is it an out-of-state move? You also want to ask, where do they need your help? Do they need your move or your help during the pre-move phase? So this is like the weeks and months that are leading up to the move. Perhaps they need your help decluttering during the pre-move stage. Maybe they need your help on moving day or maybe they're just looking for some help while they move in to their new home. So let's talk about the different things that you can offer as services. So for also another question you need to ask, are they hiring professional movers or are they DIYers? Because of this, I have a little note here from personal experience, of course, if they are DIYers and they say, we want your help with the move, ask them who's providing the packing materials. 
again, I have found myself where I just assumed they were providing the packing materials show up on moving day, Miss Professional Organizer, and they're like, okay, where are all the boxes in the bubble wrap? And I'm like, huh? And I'm like, oh, you wanted me to bring everything. Hold on a second. Let me run to Home Depot or the U-Haul store. And I'm like, not expecting to pay $300 for packing materials. I'm not going to lie. It happened probably twice. And then I finally was like, okay, this is a question that I definitely need to ask. So if you're a professional organizer, definitely ask who's providing the packing materials. I don't want you to get stuck. And also know if they're asking you to provide it, are you going to pay for it or are they going to reimburse you? Because they can be very, very costly. Okay, so as you're asking, where do they need you? You probably want to narrow down because at first they're going to say like, oh, we'd love you to help through the whole process. And you're like, okay, great. So my rate is $49 an hour. And then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So they're going to start to narrow down. So what I would generally do if it was a client that was like, we want you there through the whole process, I would say this, let's spend a couple of sessions focusing on decluttering only. So I can come in, we're going to do it really fast. I'll help you do a declutter session through your home and I will haul away your garbage and or your donations to your chosen donation site. Then if they want you to pack, you want to really be very communicative. (laughs) Is that a word? Hopefully I'm not using that in the wrong context, but you want to communicate with your clients about what items you're going to pack because when those boxes get to the new destination, and this is something that actually didn't happen um, to us, but I was always afraid it would, is what if something is broken? So I always had liability insurance with One Organized Mama, but I I made it very, very, very clear that I would not pack, I would not be responsible for packing fragile items, high value items, breakable items. I would say, you know, I will pack your linen closets, your cleaning supplies, your clothes, all of the soft-sided stuff, but I am not packing your antique uh, china or porcelain. I am not going to be in charge of packing jewelry in a bedroom. Just way too much liability on the part of a professional organizer. I'm telling you, And so it's definitely something that you want to communicate with the client before you agree to help them with that. Who's going to be packing what? And let me tell you, it is very okay to say no. I would rather you say no. I'm not comfortable packing that than having something of value break or be damaged or worse for you to be accused of taking something or stealing something. And in fact, here's another quick tip, not on my list, but it just reminded me of something. I had a wonderful, wonderful client who's actually a very, very dear friend. And to, in order to avoid any kind of um, sticky situation when it came to high value items, this is someone who has a lot of really beautiful things in her home. For instance, one time she asked me to get a watch, take the watch, um, to a jeweler to get it fixed or repaired or something. 
we both took a photo of it with our phones and um, just so that we knew and had an understanding that uh, I was in possession of this watch. And then I made sure to text her back like, hey, watch dropped off on this day. It's in this location. I saw you put it in this drawer or whatever. So we really had that understanding with each other. And I think if you initiate that with your clients, they understand. I mean, they don't want stuff to be stolen. And generally speaking, someone who's being that conscientious gives them a little bit of of more confidence in you because generally people who are not honest and who do steal from others are not um, going through all of those extra steps. So you definitely, definitely want to be very conscientious when it comes to handling like high value items for a client, especially in a situation like moving. So let's talk about moving day. One of the things that you'll want to discuss with your clients is like a game plan. It is like game day. So again, because I've done so many, I knew like, okay, when the movers show up, who's going to be in charge of, you know, uh, showing the movers, who's going to be in charge of telling the movers what to do. I'm telling you, you don't want to frustrate your movers because they can make or break you. So if your client's like, yeah, we want you to be in charge of the movers, you really need to be there to greet them. Say, hey, I'm your point of contact throughout the day. If you have any questions, feel free to come to me because a lot of people are going to be bugging those poor movers and telling them a million different things. So you can tell your clients like, look, I'll be the point of contact. I kind of know what's going on. And I will say this, feed your movers, feed your movers, give them drinks. In fact, have plenty of drinks, donuts, breakfast sandwiches, you know, whatever sandwiches at lunch to feed everybody. It's a very stressful day for your clients. Keep everyone fed, keep them hydrated, keep them fed, do it as a treat. It'll really, really boost your business. If you say, you know what, I got it. I'm going to pay for lunch for everybody, order the pizzas or whatever. The other thing that's really, really helpful. So if your clients are not really wanting you to take charge on moving day, but you can also offer as a service, um, but they really want you there um, for you to be an extra set of hands. So for instance, we all know on moving day, there's always those weird little errands that have to be run, like you run out of packing tape, or the cable guy is going to be at the new house and needs somebody there to unlock the door. All of those little things happen on moving days. And so Part of your service that you can offer your clients is like, hey, if you want me here, but you don't necessarily want me to be the the main person in charge, I'm happy to really be your assistant. And then you can run all of those errands. And then just sort of assess, especially if you're like a nurturer, caretaker type, you can kind of assess your client and like keep them happy, keep them hydrated and fed, like I said. And then we're moving on to moving in. So this is pretty self-explanatory. But a few tips when it comes to moving in and unpacking in a new home is do an assessment. And again, this is something that I tell a lot of professional organizers. Don't be afraid to do in-person assessments. You don't have to charge for them. In fact, I wouldn't charge for them. 
but it's really an opportunity for you to meet the client, for you to see the space before you start the job. Now, when it comes to moving in, it's actually a great idea if it's possible, like if you're able to go to the new house with your client, do a quick walkthrough, even if it's the night before, and you can do like a sticky note <clears throat> where you walk around and just make sticky notes for everybody. Like, this is where the coffee mugs are going to go. This is the baby's room. This is the home office. And that way, when the movers get there or whoever's unloading everything, you can really kind of easily direct everybody. So again, it's just one extra step that not everybody does that can really kind of set you apart in your business. All right, so let's go on to the final and last section here, <clears throat> the part that I really like to talk about. And that is the final part of our module system. <clears throat> and it is about teaching and maintaining. Again, we really want to empower our clients to be able to maintain the space, but we want to keep it simple for them. We don't want to overcomplicate Keep it simple, silly, K-I-S-S. So let's talk about techniques. I've called them techniques for years. Lately, I've been calling them habits because that's really something that we need to teach our clients is to get into really good organizing habits. So here are some of the habits that are in my four-step process and that can be used in every and any space in, a, in your client's home. Number one, sorting. So this is, if you remember back, the sorting signs, a keep, trash, sell, shred, donate, recycle. You can create your own, super easy. I did it for my clients. I would give them as like part of a gift almost, like here are your sorting signs. So when I'm not here, here's your homework. I want you to work through and sort. Put all the keep in the keep pile. Have a trash bag ready for donating trash, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the easiest technique to teach your clients. <clears throat> I know a lot of organizers who are like, I don't use signs. I just tell them like, over there on the chair is keep, over there in the corner is donate. I'm telling you, use signs. Use anything to communicate with your clients because things can get, especially when you're going through and you've been organizing for quite some time, things can get lost in translation as they always do. So anything that keeps everybody on the same page is high in my book. Okay, so sorting. Teach them how to sort. The next technique or habit I want you to teach your clients that you're going to do anyway as a professional organizer is how to take their keep items and then they're going to group like items together. And that is the step that frustrates everybody. People generally know how to sort, but... When it comes to the keep stuff and they know, well, these items go in so-and-so's room, these items get hung up here, these go out to the garage, and then there's always that pile of stuff that they're like, I have no idea. I don't know where to put it. So you want to teach them that they start to group like items together. And then once they group like items together, they start to kind of magically make a home for themselves. Like, oh... These are all items that can go in my new home office drawer or bin or space. These are all pens and paper clips. It's all that kind of stuff that kind of um, pops out. 
Also, what happens when you teach your clients to group like items together is this. Sometimes they realize they have too many of the same item and then they can do sort of a secondary purge and get rid of some additional stuff that they they know that they have a little too much of. Okay, the next habit I want you to get your clients into is what I just talked about a little while ago with the treadmill in the bedroom, the use-by technique. Get your clients in the habit. You ha- This is tough love, my, my fellow professional organizers. This is some tough love. And it's okay to have a little bit of tough love. I mean, don't be mean about it. Be very respectful and kind and considerate. But if you really see something, and I'm laughing because I've been in that situation where I'm like, are you really going to use that? Are you really going to use that? When was the last time you used that? How long ago did you use that? How many times have you used that? And so it's sort of like bugging me. And I know you all know what I'm talking about because you've been in a client's home probably or in someone's home and you're like, I haven't seen you wear that, use that in years. Why are you keeping it? And so the use by technique is really great. And it gives your clients again an opportunity kind of to bring that item out, make it more conspicuous and give it give it a deadline. So for instance, I always use the example of one those giant stand mixers that we all like to put on our counters. And I am not a baker, but I will bake in the holidays. And so I always have this running through my head, like if I'm not using that, I better get rid of it. So I sort of have the use by technique automatically in my head that if I were to let a couple of holiday seasons pass where I didn't use a stand mixer, then it's probably okay to let it go and to give it away. I'm not obviously a huge like, I have stuff in my house that's just stuff. I, I don't like it. Like generally stuff in my house has to have like a purpose or meaning or something. So simply empower your clients, have them put a date on that stand mixer and say, if it hasn't been used by December 31st, then you might want to consider selling it or donating it to a favorite charity. But if they do use it, they can take off that tag and say, ha ha, I did use it because they will trust me. I promise you. All right. The next habit I want you to get your clients into are asking the seven questions. And so these are just seven questions that you'll go through during the decluttering process. So One of the questions, for instance, is, does it work? How many times have we encountered stuff that doesn't even work, but we're hanging on to it? Why? We don't know. We don't know what to do with it. So does it work? Does it fit? Again, clothing, hello. How many of us have clothes in our closets that don't fit us? And we hang on to that clothing for years sometimes. So you, again, you want to sort of empower your cl- your clients um, in this process and ask them to go through a series of questions. You can make up your own questions. One of the professional organizers that worked with me for years had a, cl- uh, um, a question that was brilliant and we would all ask our clients, but it was, if you were in a store right now, would you buy that again? Would you buy it today? Like, would you pay money for that right now? 
And a lot of times the clients would be like, no, I absolutely hate it or it's not worth the money. There you go. So again, it is important to, in order to stay organized, to really incorporate a decluttering process into your client's space and time and life. Now let's talk about a 20 minute tidy, probably my top two favorite technique and or habit to share with the world. 20 minute tidy technique. And um, (laughs) every time I say it, I hear the groans of my children throughout the years. But basically, it's just a technique where you get everyone in your family involved and you can set a timer for 20 minutes. We don't set a timer in our family anymore. Haven't in years, but we all kind of know it takes about 20 minutes after dinner for everyone just to do a quick little tidy. And at this moment, guess how many people I have in my house? I have my youngest, of course, me and my husband, my daughter who's doing college locally, a foreign exchange student, and my daughter's best friend who's also attending school and staying with us. So what did I do? Divided up my my house into jurisdictions. I mean, we're we are a cops family after all. So everyone has like their jurisdiction in the house. So after dinner, I kind of bark, all right, guys, let's do our chores. And they all kind of grumble and moan. But they go in, everyone knows what they're doing. They jump in, take care of their stuff. And it actually with this many people living in my house right now, the house stays relatively clean and tidy because I enforce this every day. So a 20 minute tidy is something you should just be doing whether you are a solo person or have a family of six like we do right now. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, six of us. Um, So definitely something you want to incorporate with your clients. Teach them, empower them, especially try to get their kids involved too. All right, timer technique. This is my other favorite technique. So this is simply where you put a timer on. Don't go beyond 20 minutes. And the reason that I say don't go beyond 20 minutes is because the average adult attention span is about 18 minutes. You can look it up on an internet search. There's a lot of stuff about this. And so I promise that if you keep it under 20 minutes for your clients on a task that they really don't want to do, you will be super productive. I mean, I've used it on clients for like two minutes. So if I had a client who had like a ginormous pile of paperwork, I'm like, come on, we're going to do it for like, we're going to start in two minutes, two minute increments. And we would do a sort and declutter. And then I would sort of give them a break. (laughs) And I laugh because I've, I have areas that I hate. I'm just like, I hate doing this. And so I can super, super relate to it. I'm like, if I can just get through it for a few minutes and then I'll just take a break, go tackle it for a few more minutes. That's kind of the idea. And there's something about a timer and you'll notice this if you start using it with your clients, like there's this urgency. If they know they're being timed and that timer is about to ding any second, you'll see them get hyper-focused on the project and work actually really quickly. Like they'll make decisions really quickly. So sometimes if I had a client that was, God bless them, really dilly-dallying and telling me a lot of stories. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've gotten, we have hardly touched anything. And we're like halfway through our session. 
I would gently suggest like, hey, let's try something because this is taking a tad longer than what I thought it was going to take. Let's use a timer. Let's focus on this task. I'm going to put five, 10, 15 minutes on the timer. Let's hyper focus on it. And it'll kind of get your clients sort of to speed up their decision making process and their decluttering process. Now, the next thing, and this is something I harp about all the time, teach your clients to get into a daily routine. So this is something that I've incorporated into my own life. And when life gets super crazy, as it has for about a year and a half, this is something that actually I've relied on. Um, even when when I had really tough days um, through pandemic and the loss of loved ones and I just didn't know how to sort of feel productive. I always went back to my three daily tasks in a daily routine. So I made sure I went to bed at the same time, woke up at the same time, and then had three tasks that I make sure I get done every single day. That is make my bed, do one load of laundry a day, and then make sure my kitchen is clean sometime throughout the day. Now, a lot of times you'll find with clients, there's a lot of struggle. Maybe someone has just really become very overwhelmed. And so that's why I'm I'm saying like, this is something that actually got me through a lot of really tough moments this past year and a half. And it was just sort of that like, when you're home every dang day, (laughs) you don't know when life is going to go back to normal, which I know is something that we all dealt with. And it was really hard and like, why, why should I make up my, why should I make my bed? Like, why should I get dressed for the day? Right. But there is something that is very empowering when you can go into a routine or rely on a routine. So sort of through the really tough days of the pandemic, or even fast forward, I had um, a lot of stuff, a lot of uh, family losses here. So it was very sad as, as I was going through a lot of mourning processing and stuff um, from family members that I had lost earlier this year when I would sort of wake up and not feel super motivated. I was really, really grateful that I did have a daily routine. So at least I could get up and feel a little bit productive. So again, with some tough love, being gentle, being very considerate of your clients, this might be something that you might want to suggest. Again, three simple daily tasks that they can get done every day and just feel productive even through really tough days. Now, granted, we have very productive days. So if you get all that stuff done, you feel like a superhero sometimes. But even again, for those kind of rough days, it's just nice to kind of keep things a little bit normal, keep things going. All right. The last habit that I want you to teach your clients is this, a monthly purge. Set up something, set up a system that's very creative for them where they go through the different areas of their house. Of course, they can call you. So this is a great way for you to keep in touch with your clients. So for instance, you can say, hey, I'm going to map out a a one-year plan, a 12-month plan for you. And so this month it's kitchen, next month it's the bathrooms or whatever, And it's a great way for you to keep in touch with your clients also and just give them some little tips and tricks and just remind them like, hey, remember this month is all about bathroom. So 
pick out one day of your week or one day of your month this month where you're just going to get a trash bag and you're going to go through those bathroom cabinets and drawers and just do a quick purge and a little decluttering just to keep everything nice and tidy and so they don't get super overwhelmed. So again, all simple stuff, right? You can get as creative as you want. You can definitely incorporate this in ways of keeping in touch with your clients throughout the year, sending them gentle reminders. I know a lot of them appreciate that. So this concludes my three-part series for professional organizers. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. If you've heard some of the stuff over and over, there is a method to my madness, I promise you. So apply these things and take a look at my website at this moment. I am actually offering one-on-one coaching. I'm still offering a lot of um, or some online classes that you can take at your convenience. And I super appreciate when you guys give me a follow over on the One Organized Mama Instagram account as well. So Thanks so much for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode of the One Organized Mama podcast.